to the Soccer Speaky. Today is uh, Thursday, the 25th of August, uh, in studio for his last podcast here with us. Before he moves on to a different world is uh, Jacob Myers, our fine crew beat writer, who will be replaced by uh, wonderful Bailey Johnson. She's terrific. Kyle couldn't be here today. He's on assignment. I'm Mike A-Race. Thanks for joining us. And per usual, please go to dispatch.com to see all the crew coverage, and there's there's tons of it. Uh, Jacob, do you want to give your, uh, your your final address here? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really prepare anything. Um, I, I've kind of said all I've wanted to on social. Just thank you all to listening to this and subscribing and you know sticking with me as I kind of learn the sport a bit, and, and I have felt... You all have uh, respected my kind of growth process in that. And uh, even when you guys challenge me, that's that's been good to see because you all are very engaged. So, yeah, like Mike said, Bailey's terrific. You guys are going to uh, enjoy her work for sure. And, and just thank you. All right. A um, lot to talk about today. Uh, I wish the striker were here uh, because uh, there's a lot of striking that we have to talk about or lack thereof. Well, um, the striking's okay. It's everyone outside yeah. of Lucas and Cucho. I mean, that's an incredible stat when I tripped over it last week that that Zeller Ryan and Cucho, and Cucho has eight of them, have scored the team's last 12 goals. Right. And, and you and, know, and that means that, in a way, what we saw Sunday um, has an explanation to it to a degree, and that is that. They are. They can be easy to defend because uh, the head of the snake is clearly visible. Right, and it is true that Cucho's insertion to this team in the lineup has made others better. You mentioned Lucas. Luis Diaz is probably playing his best he's ever played with the crew. He's finally getting that cross down uh, like he did in this past game. But you look at Derek Etienne on the left wing, hasn't scored since that Chicago game. Uh, when Cucho came into the lineup. So was that seven games now without a goal for him? And production from the outside backs has been kind of meh. Uh, now you have Pedro Santos with a hamstring injury out at least this week, maybe uh, the next week as well. So they are by no means... It would be a shame, and I'm sure we'll get to this, if they didn't make the playoffs, just given that those top two is probably one of the best duos in the league. But uh, they are kind of in some dangerous waters here a bit. Well, uh, let's uh, let's track back and, and, and bring us to today um, by way of background. It was uh, <clears throat> earlier this month, August 6th. They played what was probably their best game of the season uh, and one of the few inspired games at home uh, this year uh, when they beat New York City FC 3-2. to uh, You're defending MLS Cup champions. Uh, a week later, they go on the road. Um, they let a one-goal lead slip and hang on for a 1-1 high at Colorado. Not a bad point. And a week after that, again, with full rest uh, on Sunday, uh, that brought you to the Atlanta game, uh, which we were just referencing. Um, uh, down one nothing in the first half. Dominated. Took a 2-1 lead. Let that slip. It could have been 4-2 to two if not for an offside. Uh, Atlanta outshot the crew 24-12. to 12. They had outshot them on goal 10-8. to eight. And uh, they had 10 corners to the home team's four. So this was at home against the 13th place team in the league. And again, an uninspired performance, which was kind of surprising on full full rest against against that team. I think a lot of fans walked away from, from there not only wet, but disappointed. 
Yeah, as they should have been. And I myself was surprised a bit too, just given during the week. I, Caleb Porter always kind of pumps up his team a bit. And you know, we, we can sit here and talk about when he talks about the players making mistakes and how he kind of puts it on them as well. But during the week, he said that Jonathan Mensah, Darlington Nagby, and Lucas Elorayon all expressed that they felt the team got better that week from the pressing that worked so well against New York City and just overall kind of aggression and intensity. So then to come out and really for the first 65 minutes until Cucho gets that goal, they pretty much had nothing going forward. And they had the ball for sure, but Atlanta totally dominated that first 65. And you could say if any team was going to score a third goal in that game, it was going to be Atlanta. Yeah, and you know, the surprising thing amid that, late in that 65-minute stretch there, uh, to start the game was halftime. And, you know, you're kind of expecting the crew to, you know, as Caleb does, make adjustments and at least come out with some fire in their belly. And they were still flat uh, to my eye. 100%. I, I was looking for exactly the same thing. And it was more or less exactly what was going on in the first half. So, you know, Caleb Porter said after the game that there were two or three guys that essentially didn't show up to play that day. And he didn't mention them, but I absolutely believe one was Derek Etienne Jr. because you couldn't look often at the subs that happened, and he came out in the 60th minute. Kevin Molino came in and played pretty well. Caleb Porter mentioned him. Oh, I thought he played really well. I mean, he was uh, – at least he got inside, I mean, to set up Diaz on, on the – I mean, that, that's something from a winger that we don't see enough, I, I, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I, that's a great point. He – can kind of go anywhere around the field, right? Derek at the left wing is more of kind of a, a stretch guy and, and works well with Pedro. When Pedro went out, I think that absolutely affected the game a bit. But give credit to Will Sands, the way he created that he was, second goal. He was very good. It, it was excellent. Uh, and, and, you know, while we're on the subjects of substitutions, um, what was Aiden Morris in the 87th minute? If you're pinned back, I want that guy in the game, especially the way you're marking the top of your box. You know what I mean? And, and uh, his, his absence was duly noted. Yeah, and I would have to go back and watch kind of our tour in that game. Certainly the first goal, I feel like he could have stepped up a bit before Sosa let that one rip from distance. Well, there were three guys that were open, and our tour was late to get out. I mean, you can't expect him to mark three guys, but he, he was late getting to the ball. I mean the shooter had time to like dribble, look up, um, take aim with a scope and, uh, you know, and, and let it go. It was a great shot. Don't get me wrong, but there was no one in the vicinity. Again, the marking on the, on the 18 was suspect to use a kind word. And I would also say it might've been more than two or three guys, at least from my eye. Now in terms of intensity, yeah, Jonathan Mensah always kind of brings that, but did not think he had a particularly good game. he, had an air in the box that created or, or gave Atlanta an early chance. There was a chance right on the doorstep that Aloy made a great save on when Jonathan missed his man-marking guy. And Darlington Nagby was pretty absent, too. I, I, I saw some stat about the number of touches that he gets when Artur is in the game versus Aiden. And in general, I just feel like he needs to get up the field a bit more. And I don't know which midfielder whether it's Artur or Aiden in the four two three one, 
allows Darlington to do that a bit more. If you do watch carefully, Darlington and Artur will switch the six and the eight, but I, I think that is a symptom of what's going on here. I, I would I would only add to that, Jacob, that uh, if you are pinned back in your own end, which they were for most of the game, um, the guy that I would like on the field, just me talking, is Aiden Morris. Because he's the... You, you if that's the way the game's going, yeah. If you're going to play in your own end, he's going to go get the ball and no one's going to shoot on the line. More, more so than Artur. Yeah. That's, that's, anyway, that's, that's my... Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. Both of them are pretty high up there in terms of number of tackles per 90. Aiden, I believe, is top five or top 10 in the league last I looked. It, I feel like you have to get both of them on the field, but then the question is, what does that do to Cucho and Lucas... However, you're not generating offense outside of them. Those are, I guess, the kind of big questions they got to figure out here down the stretch. Well, they didn't adjust in game. That's fair to say. I think that putting in Kevin Molino was a reaction to Derek's performance, and that ended up working well. I would have to go back and look to how much they uh, changed. Caleb Porter said they went back to a, a three-five-two, and that seemed to work well. So. Yeah, I, I I don't blame any fans for being disappointed, not only for the lack of verve, um, but also for for uh, not seeing adjustments that that uh, that proactively tried to change the tenor of that game. I, I would blame no fans for for thinking anything like that. So, what is it at home? Um, again, it was another one of these home performances where if you're if you're there, you expect more. Um, and you don't get what you expect if you're sitting in the stands. And the numbers bear that out, Jacob. They're 5-4-4 four, and four at home this year, um, which is not a good home record for, for a team that's supposedly a contender. Um, and they're hanging on to the seventh playoff spot. We'll get to their place in the race in a, in, in a second, no pun intended. Um, you know, 5-4-4, four, four, 18 goals for, 14 against, 18 or 19, uh, just a plus five diff or something like that. And you know, fewer than one and a half per game for and, and just about one against. I mean, it's it's almost they play draws at home. Now, not to uh, overlook the fact that, that, you know, they're on a 6-1-7 and seven run, which isn't bad. Curiously on pace to break the team record for most ties in a season. I don't know what that says. Um, uh, but this this home thing, 12-8-6 in their history at, at their new stadium, is very curious to me. That is that is the mark of abject, or close to being the definition of mediocre. Not good enough given what, what they have on paper, Jacob, and I don't think that's an unfair assessment to have. No, I would even say it's worse than mediocre because they've gotten 19 of a possible 39 points at home so far this year, so yeah. less than 500. I think there are probably, just off the top of my head, there are probably many explanations for their record at home since the stadium opened. This year, you are seeing some more, I guess, parity in the road and home results. If you look throughout the standings, I think that's a symptom of the league getting better for sure. And two, teams just aren't scared to come to Columbus anymore. It was a staple under Greg Berhalter that they were very, very good at home. Right. And there was this notion, I mean, 2020, they were excellent at home. They had the one loss all year at home and... Obviously, we know what they did in the postseason and MLS Cup run, but there was this notion last year that Caleb Porter continued to say about how essentially 
paraphrasing, but he said a bad thing about the stadium is they didn't have a feel for it. And I just found that quite ridiculous, to be quite honest. Yeah, and it's, again, it, it plays out as uh, Atlanta on short rest in 13th place, getting a point out of here, and not only getting a point, but dominating. I mean, this could be this could be the uh, sort of uh, uh, a vanguard of their push up the standings. Um, we'll see because there's a lot of teams, Jake, have been striking distance in the East. I mean, the crew's hanging on to uh, a seventh place here with, with 35 points. They have a game in hand on everyone in the league. Um, that said, uh, the good news is they could conceivably get up to fourth place. Uh, I, I don't, it's going to be really difficult. The Red Bulls are at, at 41 points in fourth place. Uh, I think third place is out of reach. Uh, New York City FC at 45. Um, but, you know, a lot can happen with these six-point games going down the stretch. The bad news is they have the Revolution a point behind them, uh, the Cincinnati's a point behind them, Charlotte uh, three points behind them, Toronto, uh, which which is uh, now Italianized um, uh, with uh, uh, 30, 30 points. So they're five back. And and uh, it's they're not in no means assured even making the playoffs, let alone getting into the top four to have a home playoff game. I think minimum these next two games at Cincinnati on Saturday, and then they come home on Wednesday to host Miami. They're first to two against Miami, who I believe are right there next to them in the standings. Correct? Yeah. So I think minimum you got to get it's four above, points above them. Or, or Miami and Orlando with thirty six apiece, and below them with 34 points apiece are New England and Cincinnati. You got to get four points out of those games, especially the teams around you. If you're going, if you are going to contend for a championship, which is what they want to do. And if this team has the players to do it, but they're not playing like they are, are capable of doing it. You have to be able to beat the teams around you in the standings. So I look at the two games against Miami, believe they got another one against New York Red Bulls later th- this season. And certainly your rival at minimum, take a point at Cincy, come back here and win at home. But the way they've been playing at home, maybe the recipe is draw at home and win away. Yeah. Uh, again, very to underscore the Atlanta disappointment again. I mean, they, they're in short rest. The crew had has been playing with, with uh, six or seven days off uh, for the last... They had even an extra day because you yeah. had Saturday to Sunday. Yeah. Now, I think it is a big question and here. And everyone was healthy was, was, was what I was going to add until Santos got injured in the first half. But you have a, a, your A team uh, on full rest and uh, to, to get dominated like that was just disheartening if you're a fan of this team. That's a great point, Mike. And you can go back any season and look at, well, they should have gotten an extra point or an extra two points here or there. Think about the last couple of years, what we had been talking about here and what we had heard from the club. We're injured. We have so many injuries. They've been almost completely healthy this year. Even when they were hurt, they were getting points with, with reserves. And we were talking about how needed that's going to be down the stretch. And now they're healthy pretty much all year and not getting the points. So what's going on? I believe that there is going to be some pressure really creeping in to that clubhouse here soon. And, and who knows? I'm sure it's already settling in a bit. I, I think there has to be pressure on the coach. There is pressure on the coach. Um, I mean, he if you go, what? so this is year 19, 20, year four, yeah. you can't go three or four years without making the playoffs and still expect to have your job the next year. Right. I think that's pretty, pretty obvious. I mean, good job on the road this year. Um, 
their market improvement. Three, three, two, and seven, and uh, they had won, as you noted uh, last week in one of your stories, that heading into the season that that Porter in his tenure had won seven road games, so much better on the road. Uh, just very disappointing in the new stadium, um, you know. Uh, with <sighs> and when I did a story worth mentioning, when I did a story about the changing of ticket prices and stuff, people I've I talked to what an, a factor was the quality of play on the field wasn't worth uh, renewing their season tickets. So I know that's kind of an offshoot of what we're talking about here, but uh, that was a big draw to the stadium, right? Is, oh, we have Lucas the awesome, on. But the stadium's awesome. And, it is you know, great. And yeah. the honeymoon on that will wear off if they don't perform better. Again, you walk away Sunday, and I know there were rain delays and everything, and they've had them at home and all that, but where's the desire? Yeah. Atlanta had to go through it too. Where's the Where's the dis- I didn't see any hard. I, I've I've noted a lack of tough mental toughness in this team. But the lack of hard surprised me on Sunday. That, that, that's the way I, I saw it. I think those kind of go hand in hand a bit, right? And then you, the next question: What I'll really be watching, I guess, from afar since this weekend's my last game, but I'll really be watching. Where does that type of heart and mental focus continue the rest of the season? And then I think you got to think. And anybody who pays attention to this stuff thinks immediately, okay, what is the climate like in that locker room between the players and the coach? Yeah, what's the motivation there? Um, big game for the crew coming up Saturday in Cincinnati. Huge game in Cincinnati. Um, we can talk about the uh, you know the sort of up and down quality of the crew over the last few years. Um, you could say the, this with is the title in there, but Cincinnati has been in last, like stapled in last place, you know, for the first three years of existence. Now they're sniffing playoffs. You could say this is the biggest game of their club history. Probably. Probably the biggest one since they beat the crew in the U.S. Open Cup. Right. Uh, It's, it's, uh, so yeah, it's the biggest game. They're, they're sitting there and they, they can put themselves right above the playoff bar with the win there. And uh, this is a team that is that can play very very well fully capable of doing that i mean they're they're uh 8 8 and 10 um with uh 43 4 46 against minus 3 and uh they have identical 4 4 and 5 records home and road i'm sure they want to make a statement on i mean it's the most obvious thing in the world it's like saying you know the podfather is 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 is, is the podfather he's uh the, the greatest podfather the world has ever seen i wouldn't go that far but you can see what's going to happen. The crew is going to come out finally with some. Well, they have to, or they <sighs> might get their, you know what's Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and Acosta is going to be playing this pre- week. Pre- preview this game for us, would you please, Jacob? Yeah, so, I mean, I simply look at the last time Cincinnati was here, and they were absolutely on the front foot at the beginning. They nearly had a goal in the first five minutes to go ahead, and now they're going to get Lucho Acosta there dynamic playmaker who has just eaten the crew alive since he came over and played at DC United. They're going to be absolutely flying in this game. And I think the crew with without Pedro Santos, who's been a very good defender this year as well. And and good He's been a very side. important player for them, period. I would say one of the more underrated players in the league this year, probably. Um one of the best left backs, absolutely. Will Sands is good for sure, but uh, they're really going to have to defend in this game. Brandon Vasquez is a handful. He didn't score in the last game. Obviously, it was a 2-0 win. But he was difficult to to manage and handle. I, 
The center backs don't necessarily worry me. I don't think Jonathan Mensah has played his best this year at times. Milos Degenik has certainly improved as the year has gone on. But overall, I think what you're looking, if, you, if you're a crew fan, is just can they get anything substantial outside of Lucas and outside of Cucho? I expect Kevin Molino to start just based on he played well last week. Derek did not. I expect that to be a change. We'll see if Aiden goes in for our tour. I think you have to make some changes from last week. You know, the other thing, too, is will they ever, aside from Lucas, you know, uh, with the 30-yard Galazzo every now and then, um, their set pieces or corners in particular, uh, I think, are, are bothersome. The stats say it. Um, they scored on three corners this year, one off a header. Um, you know, given the physical stature of that team, uh, as good as Cucho is in the air, they're not that big. Um, and that corner kick was kicked by Pedro Santos in Atlanta. Yeah. I've long felt that he should be the corner kick taker. I don't know why they insist on having Lucas. He can give a good delivery every now and then, but they're I, always short. I pose this in my column. Uh, is it blasphemous, blasphemous to suggest that Lucas shouldn't be taking corners or they should at least try somebody else? Cucho can take take those kicks, although obviously you'd want him in the box. Um one thing that uh, that Jordan noted during the telecast on Sunday was, uh, and, and this this uh, caught my ear. I was like, "Yeah, that's a, that's a good analysis." Um, which you know, she usually supplies good analysis. But she was talking about the corners, um, and that they've been a frustration. Um, they've given up seven and scored three this year, uh, so it's a problem on both sides of the field. But with the service that uh, the ball is in the air too long. Um, defenders can adjust. Um, she, for one, would like to see more pace uh, on, on those on those corners. I feel like they got to get them up, too. I just see so many dying before they even get to uh, the, the front post there. Jordan knows a lot more than either of us here. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, certainly... They were it, second to every corner on Sunday. I think that adds to the disappointment of the game. You go like, alright, they have a set piece, and then you go like, Ugh, that they was didn't, they didn't yeah. even get to the ball. That was a huge frustration for Caleb Porter after the game was he said, and especially in that first half, every single set piece ball, whether the crew was attacking or defending, Atlanta was the first one to it. And that to him showed that there was a little bit of a lack of heart, which I don't necessarily disagree with. That, no, that's that's a fair assessment bump from the coach. All you can add that in is that in, in the bigger picture, um, through what have they played? Twenty six games, twenty five because they have one rescheduled. Right. Still, oh, sorry, I was looking at the wrong record. Yeah, eight, six, and eleven. Twenty five games they've scored on three corners and allowed seven. It's a problem, and it's it did, it wasn't just a problem Sunday. It's been a it's been a consistent problem all season. It was a big problem beginning of the year. They seem to have gotten better after that rough stretch, but yeah, it's it's perked up here. Um, and and put simply, and I pose this to. Aloy Room and Cucho Hernandez after the game, who was actually very critical of the team. And, and even his two goals, he goes, we could have done everything better in the second half. That was good to hear from someone who, a young player, but you absolutely look at him as one of your leaders when he's your top grossing player and, and biggest transfer fee in club history. But I, I opposed to them the, the difference between a good and a great team. The, you're talking about the set pieces, defending those well. 
to be a great team, you have to defend those well, right? You can't concede, especially when you have the lead. He goes, absolutely. I mean, good teams can pack it in defensively when they need to and then just pound you on the set pieces. You know, uh, uh, we see that all the time. Uh, and if that's one of the marks of, the, of a good team, then that is not something that, that this team has in their quiver. And the, the thing is, too, Atlanta doesn't have a lot of aerial threats either. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what they were set piece-wise in the league, but, yeah, overall that is a big concern moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can be a little optimistic here. Uh, at this point last year, the crew had eliminated themselves from the playoffs and made a big deal out of a, a, what was a, a strong stretch run. Um to miss the playoffs by a point, but you know, that point was like as large as, you know, Asia, you know, uh, in the, in the, in the big picture things this year, they are holding a playoff spot now with, uh, what nine games to go. Uh, uh, and, and so they're at 35 points, right? Yeah. They're at 35 points, which is 1.4 per, which is about their, no, what they, they what they generate at home or a little less. Anyway, if you want to be optimistic, uh, we can't dismiss the fact that they did close well last year when all the pressure was off. There's some pressure on them this year, but um, if they can re- recreate what they did down the stretch of, of uh, September and October last year, uh, and here they are right now, Jacob, uh, they will be in the playoffs. And if they can recreate what they did last year down the stretch, again, with all the pressure off of them, um, then, then they'll be in, and de- they should be in fine fettle uh, at the end of the regular season by the time, or by the time decision day rolls around. Yeah, I think you can look at this. One, they absolutely have to improve at home, no doubt. Uh, it's almost kind of become a Keep joke. Keep waiting of, for that. Keep waiting for that. Well, it almost beca- has become a joke of they talk about how much they won a home playoff game, and, and you start to doubt that. Maybe they're better on the road. But you look the last, what, 13 games we had talked about, they're 6-1-6, six, six, I believe. That's 1.8 some points per game. If they do that the rest of the year, they're going to be at 51, 52 points. That's more than enough to get in the postseason. How about this? Win two games in a row. Yeah. They haven't done that this season. The Montreal. They haven't done that at home, obviously, because they haven't done it anywhere. They did it, I believe, the first two games of the at home during the season, Toronto and uh, Vancouver, oh, yeah, who yeah. are both below the playoff line. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you, you have to improve at home. Away, I think you can trust this team to at least get a point on the road. Look at that Montreal game. I think that one is just going to stick out the rest of the year. As yeah. how do you not at least pull a point, much less you know three points out of that game yeah. and, and see where that could Again, have been? That was another one of those. You walk out of there going like, if you're a fan, and you're like, jeez. As much as the win at Atlanta before the international break might have been turning point, yeah. that Montreal game could yeah. be one too. Could be. We'll see how it goes. Um, before we get out of here, we should mention the passing of Jamie Roots, um, who uh, was the retired president, I believe, of the Houston Texans, and he was the first general manager in crew history. Um, I did not know Jamie. I talked to him on the phone a couple times, but that was a long time ago. Uh, Jacob, you, you spent a day uh, calling around. Um, it, it's it's uh, It was apparently a suicide, and um, uh, it, it wasn't explicitly said like that, but the family did put in their posts, their social media posts that uh, um, if you have, uh, if, if you're contemplating suicide and they put all the information in. And about so in any case, um, a, a sad day, 
he he was by all accounts a wonderful man and obviously extraordinarily good at what he did uh tell me what the people said to you as 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 you uh took you know um stock of of jamie roots professional yeah. life yeah the two things that stuck out to me most was one to to i guess first start with the importance of you know just checking in on people and checking in on on their mental health is he had spoken to former crew gm who who Jamie kind of brought along after him, Jim Smith. He had, he had seen Jamie two months ago and, and didn't really, um, had, had no clue. Uh, that was kind of the gist of what I got from most people who, who know him and, and were still in somewhat contact with him. Um, so just always check in on, on your friends and loved ones. Always a good idea to do that. And, and overall, he's instrumental to the success of this league where it is, uh, the success of Columbus as a market to then go on to be the spiritual home of the U S national teams. And what really struck me is just his effort and energy into creating kind of a community around this team. And, and, you know, he had to be a bit of a salesman. One thing that I spoke to Mark McCullers, he called him a great salesman. And, and that was obviously true. And just getting people behind the stadium project as that went through referendums yeah. Uh, Linda Logan at the Sports Commission worked with him yeah. very intimately on that project and kind of opening it up to the world. He actually hired her into a job before uh, creating the Sports Commission, so they were very close. And then even in the days of the Save the Crew, it, it was apparent that Jamie was rooting for afar for, for that to succeed. And what Dr. Pete Edwards shared with me was he shared with Jamie, you know, that passion during that movement a lot of that uh, belongs to Jamie and what he and Lamar Hunt were able to do. So when you think of the Columbus crew and the history of it, I don't think it would be anywhere near what it is now without Jamie Roots. Absolutely. So uh, it's a sad note to go out on on Jacob's last podcast, but we wish him well. And uh, he he will uh, live in print at the dispatch uh, and uh, online for, for another few days while well, you live online forever because – what what goes in the internet is never uh, <laughs> well, until we get another CMS system and that completely changes. Well, yeah, when they when they uh, and I find this frustrating. I'm sure there's people out there that do as well. But when when uh, we 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 had a new company buy us and they converted to their uh, electronic database, we, there's a lot of stuff that was lost or even byline stripped uh, stuff just lost. It's it's uh, anyway. I digress. Um, uh, Jacob's going to cover one last hell is real, and then he's out the door. Um, and uh, so look, look at uh, all his preview stuff and uh, look forward to Bailey. She's, she's a crack reporter and a wonderful writer and a, and a beautiful human being. For the aforementioned, as well as for Kyle Robertson, who couldn't make it today, I'm Mike A. Race, and, and the Podfather wishes everybody well. Uh, Patrick Flaherty, kick us out of here. <laughs>